Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Pretty good Thursday night for me after... The Montreal Canadiens prevented a sweep, but we'll never complain with 4-1 and one as we record late Thursday evening, early Friday morning for a weekend college football pod where we'll just kind of run through our plays uh, on our NFL pod. We like to go through every game in the rotation, but obviously a much bigger board on the college gridiron. And when we're talking college athletics here on full slate, that means we bring on Bill Christie he is at Larry box two on game Twitter. You know him as Lucha Larry bill. It's good to chat. Again. How you doing? My guy. I'm doing fabulous. I'm just waiting for my last basketball game to wrap up on the uh, hardwood here. Uh, but having a pretty good night as well. Same as, same as you, it seems like uh, no, no possible sweeps. I mean, I may have had one if the Jets would have completed that back door that I was talking to you about prior to us jumping on, but I know you were on the other side, so I'm glad one of us won. Well, somebody had to when we were on opposite sides <laughs> like that. So, uh, yeah, it is that time of year where a lot of things are starting to happen in college athletics with college football hitting its stretch run of the regular season, at least. College basketball will soon be here. Um, do you have any thoughts yet on college basketball? I don't know. I, I'll be honest as much as I love it. And we do our weekly pods in the winter. It, it, it does kind of, I don't know if you feel this way, but it kind of sneaks up on me, the college hardwood where 
baseball just ended and now it feels like football, football, football and yeah. NBA and NHL have been going for about a month. And then it's kind of like, voila, the champions classic is like four days away or whatever. Yeah, it definitely sneaks up on me, even though I have John Rothstein that I follow and he gives you a countdown daily. I think from the time the season <laughs> ends to the next season starts. But um, but yeah, I really haven't you know been diving really into anything just just yet. I'm sure I will over the weekend, like you mentioned. The um the two games slate that's coming up, I'll dive into. But I I did actually happen to look back at my notes from last season, uh, for the pod that we did, the preseason pod, which you know, maybe we'll be able to get to do that again, where we did like a little preview of each uh, of each conference right. and stuff yeah. like that. And it was interesting to go back and see um, where I was right, where I was wrong, where I was really wrong. <laughs> but um, it was fun just to kind of go back into that and see. And see some things there to try and make some uh, different kind of decisions as we go into this coming season and maybe uh, fire some future tickets in the next couple of days before the full season starts. But that's hardwood. We're waiting for that. We got some great games coming up this weekend. And uh, I know you want to get into that. Yeah. So let's talk first before we get into our plays on just kind of a general uh, status quo of where we're at in college football as we head into the first weekend in November. Um, what do you think, Bill? I mean, obviously the college football playoff rankings will ignite their own kind of conversation and we'll get into that. Uh, as the pod progresses here, I do have a play in the Cincinnati game, but uh, when we look at it, I think uh, the winner of the Michigan state Michigan game was probably going to get the respect uh, and, and Michigan state got that uh, Ohio state with the one loss sitting there at number five. I, the real team that I'm just curious what your thoughts on is Alabama because <laughs> they're coming in at number two in these rankings. And I think on one hand, you can look at that and say there's a bias towards Alabama because it is Alabama uh, but on the other hand, you can certainly say, you know what? After Georgia, this is a wide open national landscape. Who can blame anybody for defaulting to Alabama number two? And of course, Oregon slots in at number five. What did you make of the initial? Or excuse me, number four, Ohio State number five. Uh, any major takeaways from uh, the first rankings of the CFB committee this week? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you mentioned it right, Alabama. I- I don't know. Maybe I'm biased, but I really feel like it's just been set up so that Alabama could potentially take another loss to they could face Georgia again. Oh, yeah. So you think they can get in with that loss in the SEC? I do. I do, and I think and I oh, think oh wow, that would be a mess. It w- I agree, but I think that the fact that they have them ranked two right now sets the stage for that. And I don't. I mean, I heard Herb Street say there's no way if they get bullshit. Like at the end of the day, it's it's what's going to make them the most money, and they all know that Alabama is going to be the team that makes them the most money. I mean, Texas A and M is not a great team, and that's the Bama loss, right? So when you look back at it, and I'm trying to pull up A and M schedule here. Look, they still have their home against Auburn this week. Then they're at Mississippi. Um, who knows? Like, what if they take two more losses, and now all of a sudden they're sitting at six and four? That Bama loss to them looks horrific. So uh, 
the fact that they come in in a second, it really bothers me. And again, I think the main thing is because it's sort of setting up that way. Cincinnati, I feel bad for. Um, I feel like they should have been a little bit higher than they are now. I mean, I, they, I can make an argument for them being as high as three, um, at least four, but no doubt is, is where they're at now. Yeah. And Alabama should be dropped out of it. Oregon. And the other piece of it is too, look, this is just the first rankings, but I really do feel as though Michigan state uh, and Oregon, and we'll get into a couple of my picks later, but I really think that they're fraudish Michigan state. I mentioned it on the last pod that, uh, typically, the top teams in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State, when they're making runs like this, are, are fraudulent, and they'll take a bad loss. And if they don't take a bad loss, they end up getting to the into the playoff, and they get absolutely demolished by whoever they might play. So I, I don't feel comfortable with what the committee had done. Um, I understand what they did. It makes sense to me. I just don't agree with a majority of it. Um, and even, like, you look at, I do. I'll, I'll give them credit for one thing: the fact that a nine-zero Oklahoma team is as far down as they are. Uh, I give them credit for that because we all know that that Oklahoma team could have lost what three, maybe four games the way that they've been playing. Yeah, so. I mean, you say that about Oklahoma, but I think we talk about Alabama, and I, I don't think the Crimson Tide are anywhere near what they've been in previous seasons, but. I, I, I really raise my eyebrows with Oregon because you're just going to tell me that losing to Stanford doesn't matter. Right. I don't know. I, I, I think that, I'll, as you said, it is still just the first rankings. I, I will be shocked if Oregon makes the playoff. Uh, yeah. I think we can say that about every single season, about any Pac-12 team probably. We're kind of at that point. What, Washington and Oregon with Mariota, I'm pretty sure they're the only Pac-12 teams to make it, right? Uh, I would assume so, yeah. Yeah, and Washington got smoked in the semifinal, I believe by Alabama, Mm -hmm. and um, Oregon got to the national title, and it was a pretty ugly national title game against Ohio State. So, yeah, Pac-12 with some surprising love there with Oregon, but we'll see if that lasts through the rest of – November and obviously into December. Speaking of the pack, excuse me, speaking of, speaking of the pack 12, let's get to our first pick. As like I said, it's a big board in college football. We kind of like to just jump on and uh, mix it up throughout the rotation and give our favorite plays, usually sides uh, in college football. And you do have a play in the pack 12. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm curious where your what your thought process is here with, Washington, a seven-point home dog against Oregon. Looks like a total of 50-and-a-half, 51 in this game. You think in Oregon maybe uh, feeling themselves a little oh, bit? Oh, yeah. A little excited over getting in the top four. And obviously, uh, while it's easy for the coaching staff at Oregon to say we haven't done much yet, it's another thing for the locker room and the players to – to think that the job is done or, or not done and, and to maybe be uh, not necessarily focused on the task at hand here. Exactly. We just mentioned it, right? They're number four as far as the uh, playoff picture is concerned. I got a feeling they're going to be sniffing themselves a little bit this week. But remember, good teams win. Great teams do what? Cover. Right. 
great teams cover. Oregon has not done that. They're not a great team. They are 0-6 this season as a fave. 0-6. Wow. Pathetic. Their only straight-up loss, you mentioned it earlier, was to Stanford, where they were 8.5-point favorites. This one, you mentioned it, Washington catching seven at home. Washington's a 4-4 four four team. This is the number four team in the country, Oregon, right? Like, yeah, they have the loss to Stanford, but number four team in the country, they're only giving a touchdown to a 4-4 four and four Washington team? It makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, I think they're going to come in here fat and happy. Huskies are going to play this like this is their national championship game. Uh, and I, I think they're easily going to cover the game. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Washington pulls out this upset th- this week. Yeah, I can't really argue with this. I'll be honest. I wasn't really zeroed in on this pick. But when you think about it, situationally it checks out with Oregon being number four in the country coming off of a week in which the ducks got a little bit of love. How do they respond? And then, like you said, the line kind of stinks a little bit only at a touchdown against kind of a nondescript PAC 12 team in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the thing of it is, I think, I think there's also something to that Oregon 0 and six against the spread as a favorite because a lot of those games are conference games in a league that's not very good, meaning Oregon gets the maximum big-time all-out effort from all these teams in the Pac-12 because it's not like Washington or whoever else or you know Stanford, like I mentioned, the loss. It's not like these teams have any other opportunities on their schedule. Like This is the biggest game for a lot of guys wearing the Washington Husky jersey on Saturday. Right, and the other piece I'll say, too, is road favorites this year between a touchdown and nine and a half, only eight and 12, only good for 40%. So 60% uh, of the time that dog is covering. So I like the way that's trending for the for the Huskies as well. So I want to keep us moving, and I have a couple plays in the American Athletic Conference, and I want to start with those Cincinnati Bearcats who we touched on a little bit there in our discussion about the college football playoff. Uh, and, you know, you know, I, I am I like betting the narratives and, um, you know, for better or for worse, I can't not play Cincinnati minus 22 and a half at home against Tulsa. I, if there's ever a time we talked about it last week, Bill, you were on the other side of a Cincinnati game with Tulane and got the cover a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. I had Navy against Cincinnati they got the cover there, did the mids. Uh, but I think this is the time where Cincinnati, like, they have to come out and be pissed off and kick the shit out of Tulsa. I mean, at the end of the day, if Cincinnati is to run the table, and I do think if they do run the table, there will be a game or two in November, hopefully this one on Saturday, where they do get significant margin. Uh, but nonetheless, if they are to run the table and not make the playoff this year, in a year in which, outside of Georgia, the rest of the Power Five, there is no slam dunk number two here. That's what we just finished talking about. Whether you want to talk about Alabama or you know Michigan State and Ohio State still have to play each other, and we'll get to Michigan State a little bit later on here. But uh, you know, even whether it's Michigan State at three or Ohio State at number five, if they are to both be under or uh, Michigan State undefeated, Ohio State one loss. The loser's out, and the winner obviously carves a path towards the Big Ten title out of the East Division. So the the path for Cincy here still actually isn't that bad. 
but what I'm getting at is if Cincinnati at number six obviously needed to jump one of those Big Ten teams I just mentioned and probably Oregon, maybe Alabama, if Alabama is to lose to Georgia in the SEC title, all of that's still very feasible. So I still think it's very likely Cincinnati could make the playoff. But what I wanted to get at was if Cincinnati can't make it this year, as I said, in a year that is wide open after the number one team in the land, the Georgia Bulldogs, then the the group of five should not be playing FBS football. Like, it's that simple. You just need to either expand, which it seems like we're heading towards that anyway, which I think is a good thing. Or we just need a group of five, like, separate playoff. And there needs to be, like, we have the FBS and the FCS. Well, you make a, a, a division in between the two for the group of five. Because I, I, I don't know what else you can say if the Bearcats don't make the playoff and they run the table this year, whether they get the margin or not. But I do think they will get the margin. I, I just, again, think that uh, they can only – it's human nature to kind of see where they're at and decide that we're gonna, we need margin. We need to go smoke somebody. Uh I think it's unfortunate. I watched a little bit of Joel Klatt on the herd this week with Colin Coward, and and he brought up that Cincinnati, it's kind of like, I thought his analogy was good. Cincinnati has to clear, like, it's like a a judicial court system Hmm. in which you have the criminal bar and you have the civil bar. And Cincinnati has to clear the criminal bar, which is, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. Well, Cincinnati has to, undoubtedly no doubt in there in anybody's mind be a playoff team whereas in Alabama or an Oregon they just like the the crim, the civil standard is well the preponderance of evidence has to say that you likely committed the crime or or that you're liable for the crime taking place and so we can just say oh you know Alabama SEC schedule you know okay they lose a game or you know Oregon, Power Five, they win at Ohio State. They lose at Stanford. They're back to square one. We're still putting the Power Five team ahead of them. So I think that's a little unfair to the Bearcats, too. I I think this system is broken, and we just get to the point where we manipulate the data to the point where we talk ourselves into an undefeated team in a group of five league not really having a chance and we're afraid of what the point spreads would be or Cincinnati getting blown out. Forget the fact that we've had some semifinal games that have been a nightmare anyway under this four-team system to begin with. So I like the Bearcats. Big statement coming. I think they win by five touchdowns, four or five touchdowns. I think I'll be safe here at home too. I like that too. Have to think the fans – will show out knowing that they need this margin. Cincinnati minus the points for me. Greg Frank Esquire. I like I like the ring of that there. <laughs> I didn't know you had so much uh so much lawyer background in you there, but I, well, I'm my, not, dad, my dad does practice environmental law in Philadelphia. So uh, well, there, there it that. is. There it is. Uh I'm not gonna play this game and I really wanted to. I know we've been texting Earlier this week, and you know, the, the typical uh, Greg Frank analysis of of the great story. It's always it's yeah, always oh, impactful, I but I, I I hesitate now because when I went to look at this, uh, 
I expect to see this number had grown since the beginning of the week, and it it hasn't. Which is yeah, shocking. it's actually come down a little bit. I was yeah, surprised by that too. Very, very, very strange because everybody that I've heard talk about this game so far has basically been saying the same thing. You are. It makes a thousand percent sense, right? Like. They, they seem like they're being snubbed by the community. They need to get style points. They need to come out and be pissed off and just dominate Tulsa. Tulsa stinks. They're three and five. So why isn't it growing? 83% right. of exactly. bets are on it. 94% of the money I'm seeing is on Cincinnati. I can't believe it hasn't grown at all. I'm not saying I'm going to go out there and play Tulsa, but I think I'm staying away from this one completely. Like, I hope you're right, and I hope they win by five touchdowns. But the fact that this isn't moving and actually has ticked down a hook, I wouldn't be shocked either if Tulsa keeps this within the number somehow. Maybe it's because Cincinnati's just trying to do too much. You know, if you want to play that narrative to it, like you're saying, like they need oh, yeah. sure. style points yeah. and they're going to all press and they're not playing their normal game. No one's like they're going to be tense. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. Like maybe it's something to do with that. It's just. I am super hesitant when I see that. I, I really thought I was going to see 25, 26 by the time I looked at this this afternoon because I looked at it earlier in the week and I saw that it opened at 23 and a half. So, yeah, I'm definitely hesitant on this, but wishing you the best of luck on it. So I'm curious here as we move forward here with our next pick. It, it, next pick, it's rotation number 372. You're on Arkansas State catching three touchdowns at home in the Sun Belt against App State. I, I, you know, I, here's the thing. I mean, obviously these group of five games, all tickets cash the same, and there can certainly be some angles to be exploited. Uh, and I'm just going to let you take the mic from here and run with it. You like Arkansas State catching all these points at home. Yeah, what, you don't know anything about Arkansas State and App State, the history? <laughs> uh, apologies to both schools, <laughs> but no. No. Uh, look, it's a lot of points for one. Um, and teams in this spot, the the road teams, when they've been favored by by this much, have not fared well this season. Um, and the Sun Belt, look, you saw a game tonight, right? Georgia State getting 13 and a half points. And they sure. almost won the game outright. Like. The Sun Belt and some of these other smaller conferences, it's, it, it seems as though that um, the books have a tough time really grasping the line because, I, honestly, I don't think anybody can because nobody knows. They're super unpredictable. Um, but the one thing that kind of was glaring to me when I was taking a look at this game was uh, the way that both of these teams per- perform in the red zone, both on offense and on defense. In a game where you're getting 21.5 points, Every point's going to matter. So to me, red zone is a big piece of this. So when I'm looking at App State, they are uh, 52nd. Is this correct? Am I about this right? 52nd in the country in terms of scoring offensively. Um, Arkansas State has done a decent job of keeping their opponents out. And when you flip it the other way around, Arkansas State is actually better in the red zone offensively than App State is, and they're also App State is also weaker in the red zone defensively than Arkansas State is. So, you know, you might see App State absolutely dominate this game from 20-yard line to 20-yard line, but I think when we see them get inside of that, you're going to see Arkansas State, their defense is going to be a little bit stingier. They're going to force App State to kick a couple field goals where they should have been scoring touchdowns, and vice versa. We're going to see, you know, Arkansas State punch one in, 
maybe it's on a fourth and goal, something like that. Uh, but 21 and a half points in, in the Sun Belt for me is just too much. I'm going to take the home dog here. Uh, again, that I don't expect it to be a tight game whatsoever. Not like tonight where I had Georgia State plus the 13 and a half. Thought maybe we'd get an outright. Um, I don't see that Arkansas State having a chance at winning the game. But I think they're going to stay within the number, within the number pretty comfortably. So there you go. A group of five play for Bill in the Sun Belt with Arkansas State. The Fun Talk- Belt. It's the fun yeah. belt, right? There you go. Yeah, the fun belt. Yeah, might as well call it that with Arkansas State. What are they called? The Sea Wolves, I think, is their nickname. Do yes. you even know that? Yep. Yes, that's okay. correct. There we go. So, Arkansas State for Bill at home against Appalachian State. Let's keep things moving. And I have a pick in the American Athletic Conference again uh, as I want to go to Tennessee where it's the Memphis Tigers at home catching the four and a half against SMU. I like the Memphis Tigers here at home against the Mustangs of Southern Methodist. First off, this number has come down. Uh, looks like a couple points from the opener of about six, six and a half. Uh, and that's with the majority of the action still on the ponies. So we like that. Uh, and I also just think SMU has a big game in the near future later on in November against Cincinnati. And I, I, I just think that SMU is going to screw up before that. I, I, I think this week would kind of be the spot for the Mustangs to kind of uh, let down a little bit. Now, having said that, I, I, the, also, the other thing I think that's interesting here is that SMU is coming off of its first loss of the season last year as SMU uh, is still a top 25 team. Despite that loss, they're hanging on at number 23, but they lose last week against in-state rival Houston, 44-37. And so it's their first loss of the year, and here they are only laying four and a half against middle of the road Memphis. Like that seems a little fishy in and of itself. As I mentioned, the line moving down despite the majority of the action on the ponies. Uh, so I, I think that Memphis or that, excuse me, SMU is in a little bit of a, I think the tailspin continues a little bit for the Mustangs and that Cincinnati game. Okay. Cause I feel like people look at it and just when it comes to Cincinnati, they see, Oh, well they got that one ranked opponent against SMU. And then we'll see what happens in the American conference championship game. Well, then you remember that the rest of the league really isn't that good. And that ranked opponent that is SMU on Cincinnati's schedule may not be ranked come that time they kick off uh, between the Bearcats and the Mustangs. So there is that element of it. And then you look at Memphis. Memphis, as I said, is at four and four. Uh, They have four games in the month of November. This one against uh, SMU. And then they have games against East Carolina, Houston and Tulane. The Tigers need to win two of the four. Tulane's terrible. They'll probably beat them. So as long as that happens, they need to win one of East Carolina, SMU, and Houston in order to ensure bowl eligibility. And SMU and Houston are both on the cusp, on the fringe top 25 in that that kind of uh, funky 20 to 25 area that always kind of changes each week. So I looked this up because I always – Memphis has been uh, not – a top group of five team, but 
they've in recent memory been pretty consistent when it comes to a group of five wins and just being in the conversation. We saw Justin Fuente have success at Memphis and get the Virginia Tech job. Ditto for Mike Norvell, get the job at Florida State. Well, I was curious, when's the last time Memphis has missed a bowl game? You'd have to go all the way back to 2013 when the Tigers went three and nine. And that was just the second year that Justin Fuente was there. So I, it's been a pretty good program is kind of what I'm getting at. And it's a program that's used to playing meaningful games into November and December. Feels like a good spot for the Memphis Tigers at home against SMU. I like them plus the four and a half. Yeah, I have a play, but I like where you're going with this one. Um, basically for all the reasons that you stated, I, I do think that SMU is going to be looking ahead a little bit. I know they got Central Florida next, the following week, but to see Cincinnati on the horizon, I think that the, they're kind of salving. And by the opportunity. way, UCF is not the look-ahead game that it used to be. No, no, definitely not like it was. So, as I said, Memphis for me, uh, for another play in the American Athletic Conference. Let's go to the Big Ten, where uh, Bill is going to give us our next play for the pod, and it is on the Terps of Maryland at home against Penn State. I'm interested here into where you're going with this handicap because we saw Penn State show itself a little better on that national scene against Ohio State last weekend in Columbus. You think the Nittany Lions are just a little overrated here coming back, having, uh, you know, at least uh, shown themselves on a big national stage, even though they didn't win the game outright. You think that this is just a little bit of a – overvalued spot here for Penn State, or is there things you like about the Terps? No, I think that that's definitely a part of it, but I also think that, oh, you said Penn State played well, right? Like, they had Ohio State really, not on the ropes, but, I mean, they were competitive throughout that game and had their chances. They poured everything they had into that game, and I think that's a big part of it. I feel like they're going to be hungover um, with that emotional loss, they poured everything into it, and 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 now they go to Maryland, a team that they should be, uh, beat easily, um, and they're not going to have that easy of a time with this Maryland squad. Uh, I, I don't want to say that I'm going to play it yet, but um, Maryland money line it does it does look interesting to me, uh, and the main reason why is because the way that the quarterback for Penn State, uh, Sean Clifford, has played. He has been uh, a totally different quarterback on the road than he has been uh, at home. When he's been at Beaver Stadium, he's averaging 2.2 touchdown passes and uh, .6 INTs. When you take him on the road, it's almost like they flip those numbers. He's averaging barely over a half a touchdown pass per game and he's averaging one interception. So when I'm looking at that and and, and again, I mentioned how emotional it was for them last game, Clifford, I don't think is going to be able to step up to the plate. Like you would need him to, he obviously hasn't done it all year, but now you're throwing in the factor that, you know, they played that game against Ohio state last week. I don't see them really getting up for this game whatsoever. Don't get me wrong. The other side of the ball, Penn State can play defense. They're number five in the country in terms of points allowed per game. Um, But this Maryland team's no slouch either. Like they, they can score uh, with most teams in the country. They got Tua's little brother out there. 
Um, he's 11th in the country in, in completion percentage. It's just over, or sorry, just under 69% of the season. And you kind of look at his numbers too, and you're like, wow, he's got eight interceptions. That's not that great. But you got to remember, five of those eight came against Iowa, who's number one in the country in terms of interceptions forced. They averaged two interceptions a game, which I thought was incredible when I saw that stat today. Um, but I think Maryland's going to hang tight in this one. I think they're going to, they're going to be up for the game, whereas I think Penn State just kind of kind of be going through the motions. I don't see Clifford having a really, really good game. Um, and it's funny that these two teams, they kind of started out the exact same way. Penn State started out 5-0. and Maryland started out 4-0. and And now they sit identical records, 2-3 and in conference, 5-3 and overall. Um, yeah. Yet, yet, yet you're seeing Penn State again. They're a decent – they're a pretty strong favorite here by – I'm seeing 9.5 or 10 points. Um, that's also interesting to me too. It opened, I think at 10, I've seen it tick down to nine and a half. So that's typically a good sign for, for the dogs here. I'm going to be playing Maryland, getting the 10. I already have that. Uh, and I may possibly sprinkle the money line. If I see that, if I see that number drop, uh, down to nine, I'm, I'm going to be really intrigued enough to probably take that money line, but yeah, college park's not going to be a fun place for Mr. Clifford this weekend. Yeah, I think you're on, by the way, with the money line consideration because it's the kind of game where, on one hand, you look at Penn State and think, well, they already had that loss outright as greater than three touchdown favorites against Illinois at home, so they won't let down again. They played better against Ohio State. Now they'll just kick the shit out of Maryland. And, and that might be true. I, and so what I'm saying is I think if you like Maryland, you have to consider the money line because I don't think this is the type of game where Maryland backdoors. I don't think this is the type of game where if it's really close, as you said, you don't really trust Sean Clifford. So I, I don't think it's the type of game where if it's close. You, you might as well just take that big price on the money line with Maryland because we're not really trusting Penn State. Uh in the big favorite role to begin with. So I think that in and of itself makes you like Maryland a little bit as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, like it was still, even though they played better, like we're not into moral victories. uh, At least you shouldn't be if you're Penn state university with the football program. So it is back-to-back losses. Uh, Their hopes of doing anything substantial in the big 10, much less the big 10 East are, are, are done. So, yeah, it's it's not the spot that you want to lay 10 in because if you're Penn State at this point, we talked about it last week and it didn't work out for me with uh, Ohio State laying the wood, but Franklin, maybe one foot out the door. Now you, you're not going to get to the conference championship game. I don't want to say dead team, but like, let's just say they're kind of sleepwalking. Like, you know, it's 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 not a team that's, Real life, like I talk about Cincinnati needing the margin. Well, I don't see why Penn State needs the margin at all. So I, while I say that I think that it could still be a game where Penn State comes out and they've been playing better and they already had the loss against Illinois, so maybe they come out and, and really take it to Maryland at the same time. Maybe they are a little sleepy here, and that's why I do think Maryland worth a look on the money line because there really isn't much for Penn state to play for at this point in the season, knowing that you're behind, uh, you know, Ohio state, Michigan state, Michigan, and that loaded big 10 East. So yeah, I, I definitely could only look to the home dog with Maryland. Let's and real, and real, sorry, real quick, real quick before we jump off of this one, 
Um, road faves 10 to 13 and a half points. There's been 20 situations. How many times do you think they've covered? I will. Well, I mean, I figure it's probably favorable with you taking Maryland here. So I'll say seven. Bang! On the nose. On the nose. Wow. On the nose. Seven and 13 as 10 to 13 and a half point favorites. On That's the road. in all FBS games. Correct. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to go with a shorter favorite here, and uh, you can tell me if uh, the trends back this one up, but I am going to go to the pack, or excuse me, the Big 12 uh, with Oklahoma State, uh, I think is uh, worth a play here as a short favorite against West Virginia as the Pokes are laying three and a half against the West Virginia Mountaineers. And I know they did just lose recently. This game is on the road, too. And generally, I don't love short road favorites. Again, we'll get to one of them towards the end. Uh, that is a big national game. But I kind of think Oklahoma State is one of the more slept on teams in the top 25. Or let's even cut it down to top 15. Because the Pokes are number 11 overall, as I said. and they're only a game behind Oklahoma in the Big 12. And, Bill, you talked about in the beginning how Oklahoma, you know, they changed quarterbacks, unconvincing wins at times this year for the Sooners. Well, the door is still very much open for Oklahoma State to win this conference. And I, I don't think anybody's really talking about Oklahoma State at all nationally. I mean, I, I had to myself look into a little bit about what they've done this season. When I saw that they were number 11, they responded. I And here's a big thing I like. When your team like that, in the case of Oklahoma State, where you're not getting a lot of buzz, right? There's not a lot of, you know, Mike Gundy's a, a, a coach that will attract attention at times, but there's no high, there's no Chuba Hubbard, you know, there's no Des Bryant to go back a while or Zach Robinson, whoever, right? And yet here they are, as I said, number 11 in the country, and they have their first loss of the season in Ames against Iowa State a couple of weeks ago. And I really like the fact, I know it's Kansas, but I love seeing them come back and win 55-3 to because that just shows me that they're still very committed to this season and that there's still a, a, a big focus in that locker room. And you look at Oklahoma State's schedule coming up, all, leading up to that Bedlam game, against the Sooners and it's West Virginia this week. It's TCU and it's Texas tech TCU and Texas tech, by the way, are going to be hiring new coaches in one to two months. So I actually think this sets up pretty well for Oklahoma state to go into bedlam with one loss and for that to be a really big game in the big 12 in the state of Oklahoma and nationally. So nothing scares you about any of these opponents for Oklahoma State coming up. And I don't think the look ahead element applies yet because this is the first of those three before the Oklahoma game. Oklahoma State rolls. You talked about it, Bill, last week, or I think it was last week. You gave out West Virginia uh, plus seven, and they won the game outright against the Iowa State Cyclones. Right. So 
kind of feels like West Virginia maybe lets down a little bit here too. Uh, I I really like the spot here for Oklahoma State. I don't love uh, a, a, a ranked road favorite of uh, in this price range at three three and a half against an unranked team that often because sometimes it just feels too good to be true. Uh, but I I think the Cowboys are a little undervalued here. Yeah, no play for me here. Uh, I, I don't have a, a say to go one way or the other. I do think it, I would be a little hesitant, like you mentioned, the fact that it's such a short number than being a ranked team on the road against an unranked team. Um, but, yeah, I had West Virginia last week against Iowa State. They got that nice win. But I could totally see this being a little bit of a come-down game for them. And like you said, Oklahoma State seems like they got you know their heads – uh, screwed on tightly now when they just romped on Kansas after their only loss of the season. So wouldn't shock me if they come out and get the job done for you in this one. So you're going to take us to the ACC, which is a league that you're talking about power five. I mean, the ACC has kind of been Clemson and everybody else. And now it's nobody else because Clemson has obviously uh, fallen apart this season. Uh, but we're going to go to, uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels, as they are at home against Wake Forest. Uh, and I'll be honest, just as I look more into this game, I'm kind of interested myself. North Carolina, a two and a half point favorite against Wake Forest. Wake Forest, eight no, number nine in the country. I've been fading Wake a little bit earlier on in the ACC schedule. Uh, just really don't know a ton about the demon deacons to be honest and kind of think that they've just been beaten up on a league that's pretty down and so i can't really disagree with this line but of course anytime i see a four loss team favorite at home against an undefeated team this late in the year i gotta give it a strong look what are you seeing with the Tar Heels? yeah you said it i mean i don't have much to this handicap other than the fact that it it makes absolutely no sense. You're talking about an undefeated team, top 10 in the country, and they're dogs to a 4-4 four and four North Carolina team? It's not like this <laughs> North Carolina – honestly, this North Carolina team, it's not like they are, they're out there and, oh, they took a tough loss. Like If their only loss of the season was last week's Notre Dame, okay, I got it. But they lost to a Florida State team by double digits. They got smoked by Georgia Tech. And they opened the season with a loss uh, to a Virginia Tech team. None of those teams besides Notre Dame that I mentioned are ranked at all. So the fact that they're getting all this love from the book, it, it, it just seems way too fishy for me. Um, I got to look real quick what I saw the, the numbers at as far as uh, tickets that were coming in. Um, I'm having trouble finding it right now, but I'm sure that the public – has got to be on. Oh, they're already salivating over a top 10 team catching points against an unranked team. Exactly. Here, I, here, 68% of the public is on Wake Forest, but 56% of the money being on North Carolina. So I do actually like seeing that. Uh, the opposites there. It looks like there's some smart money on North Carolina, and there has to be, right? Like the fact that, that the fact that they are favored is Jimmy, just who else would be betting? Crazy. Yeah, it doesn't make it make makes no sense. It makes absolutely. Uh, no sense. They're even though North Carolina one and four against the spread their last five. Like there's nothing that you look at and you're like, wow, okay, maybe this is the reason that they're favorite. There's nothing. 
So when there's nothing like that and it seems too good to be true, I'm going the opposite of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add here other than the fact that um, I've been kind of anti-Wake Forest, as I said, earlier in the ACC portion of the schedule in October. So I'm with you. I I do think that this is one of those where it's almost like so wacky where I'm just going to totally stay away. But Carolina would be the only side I could look to in this game, in-state rivalry, chance to end the perfect season for Wake Forest. Uh, and a Wake Forest team that obviously still I mean, we're not really even talking about them when it comes to, you know, it's what we spent time earlier in the pod talking about Cincinnati and, and you know, rightfully so. I think you can make an argument for the Bearcats, but nobody's even making an argument for Wake Forest. And I think that does kind of speak to the fact that there's still a, a lot to be proven on behalf of the Demon Deacons and the. The Vegas oddsmakers are saying just as much when they're making them a road underdog against 500 North Carolina. So I would only look to the Tar Heel side there. That's for sure. Let's keep things moving. Two more games. I want to go to the SEC where uh, I'm going to look to Texas A&M in the, S- in the SEC West as a five-point home favorite against Auburn. And, you know, this was also one where I just felt like, okay, there's no way Texas A&M's home field is worth five points. But at the same time, you have Auburn actually a, in the AP poll a spot higher than A&M. Auburn number 13, A&M 14. And here's A&M as a five-point favorite. Like that all almost kind of defaulted me towards the A&M side because – this line almost just feels so far off. Like I was expecting it to be like two or maybe one and a half for A&M and it's five, you know, so you're going through a key number. Um, and I also think that if you're Texas A&M, that this is kind of a statement opportunity because if you go out and beat Auburn by double digits, well then, Nobody's really saying you're not living off that Alabama win anymore because I looked and that Alabama win is the only ranked opponent victory for the Aggies all season. And having said that, I think a lot of people and maybe rightfully so are penciling in all Alabama and Georgia, excuse me, to play in the SEC championship game. I think we'd all like to see that. We'd all like to see what would happen if Alabama loses and because it's Alabama, just to make sure that they are excluded as a two-loss team. That would all be worth seeing. But I'll say this. We're sitting here. It's the first week of November. We got a month until conference championship Saturday. I do think this SEC West is a little more open than people are willing to let on because A&M has two losses. Alabama has one. A&M has a tiebreaker. Auburn has two losses. Alabama has one. We still got the Iron Bowl to play Thanksgiving weekend. So I don't think Alabama's a lock to play in the SEC championship game when you consider the fact that all it takes is one slip up from Alabama potentially in the Iron Bowl where they'd have to play Auburn anyway. So just wanted to get that out of the way anyway. I think that the 
SEC West after Alabama being a little overlooked. A&M at five, little fluky number in my opinion. Chance for the Aggies to really make a statement, put some pressure on Alabama, right? Talk about send a message. Well, say, all right, Alabama, I know Alabama plays a non-conference game this week, so you know you can't send too much of a message, but to almost say, you know what? We're legit. That win we had over you was not a fluke, and we're going to make you earn this thing all the way to the bitter end. Number is suggesting that A&M is going to make that kind of a statement. I like the Aggies minus five. Yeah, no play for me, but I agree with you on that one. Um, did you know this, though, Greg? We're talking about how deep we are in the season. Texas A&M, their last seven games played in week 10. Do you know what they are against the spread? Gosh, it's so random. I'm not going to guess <laughs> That's that. Exactly. They're 1-5-1. One, one. The fact that somebody went out there and found that, I just looked at this yeah. on Odd Shark. Like, how does that affect anything? I know we've seen them before with we do our college basketball pods where it's like, this team is 8-4 and four on Tuesday nights. How does that <laughs> matter to anything? Crazy, crazy. So, yeah, uh, uh, no play for me. Best of luck to you. But if I had to lean any way, I'd be leaning with the Aggies with you there. So let's wrap things up with a consensus play. No crossfires on this week's pod. We don't force anything, but we do have a consensus play in the Big Ten. It's the Michigan State Spartans traveling to West Lafayette to take on the Purdue Boilermakers and Michigan State. That's right. Only laying three off of that win at home against Michigan. Bill, I'll let you start. Obviously, a pretty clear letdown spot for the Spartans and the odds makers not exactly voicing a lot of confidence in the Spartans when they go to unranked Purdue. Purdue has not been playing well, mind you. After that Iowa win, the Boilermakers have drifted away in the Big Ten West. They are not in the conversation on the other side of the conference. It's Minnesota, Wisconsin, and that's kind of it now. Iowa has drifted into mediocrity. So, here we are now and and Michigan state again, only giving three off that big win against Michigan. I'll let you start. I imagine I'm going to echo a lot of your sentiments though. Yeah. I'm not going to have much to be honest. This kind of is the same play I had uh, when we're talking about North Carolina line makes, makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, But I have mentioned numerous times. I've mentioned it uh, today's podcast as well. Big 10, Outside of Ohio State, one of those top teams, they get ranked. They start looking like they're the team to beat in the Big Ten. They're the team that could make the run. And they take a terrible loss. I mean, this this is it for me. Oh, yeah. For Michigan State. Like, you go, you're go, you going to Purdue. You, you know, you, you just had the college playoff rankings come out. You're feeling pretty good about yourself there. You just beat your biggest rival. Um, in, a, in a very, very, very competitive game where you had to come back from double digits and get the win, uh, I think they're going to come out flat. I think Purdue, uh, I'm going to be playing Purdue money line. Yeah, and like I said, I almost like this more given the fact that Purdue has not followed up the Iowa win with any consistency, losing in a big-time fashion against Wisconsin. And, you know, they did go to Nebraska and win, but Nebraska is a sub 500 big 10 team. So there's nothing about Purdue post Iowa win that like, again, okay, congratulations. You beat Nebraska 
and you got your ass kicked by Wisconsin. There's nothing about Purdue that suggests that that win at Iowa was anything other than dead clock is right twice a day. <laughs> and here they are now only catching three. Like, again, the line just is talking to you. And Michigan State, like, honestly, if this were any other team in the Big Ten East, the number would be close to seven. I really think that. Like, you look at Michigan State, Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker I think, is in his second year there. And um, the Spartans just, at least recently, obviously with a coaching change, going from Mark D'Antonio to Mel Tucker, mm-hmm. they haven't been on the level the last two, three years of an Ohio State, a Penn State, or even a Michigan. So it's one thing to back them as a home dog in an in-state rivalry game last week. I did not do that, but I certainly wouldn't argue with anybody that backed Michigan State in East Lansing against Michigan last week. But now it's another thing in in what feels like a pretty obvious letdown spot uh, to think that the Spartans are going to play the same way. I mean, it, it you know it, yeah, it feels it feels like a spot where they just let down. Yeah. And ultimately, this comes down to the winner of Ohio State Michigan in the Big Ten East, as it usually does. And again, it's not a bad Michigan State team, but oddsmakers aren't voicing a lot of confidence in the Spartans when they're only laying three against, uh, let's just be honest, the middle of the road Purdue team. And, and, and the college football playoff committee has Michigan State as the number three team in the nation right now. Uh, you know, the target is squarely on the Spartans back now. I don't think they respond well. Yeah, and Joe Public's all over him. 86% are on the Spartans. That line hasn't budged. Um, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it tick down to two and a half soon. Um, I could just see the books just really laying the trap for everybody to be jumping on Michigan State. I mean, oh, Michigan yeah. State to I be mean, less than a field goal fave. He's waiting for the mouse to run right into, right? Exactly. Hey, let me just make mention, I've said it before on the pod. I, I am a recovering Michigan football fan. I, I As of last year, when Harbaugh got his extension, I denounced my Michigan football fandom. But I'm going to be honest with everybody right now. Going into last week, I was I was getting pulled back into it. I'm like, all right, maybe maybe they knew something about Harbaugh and this team. Maybe, the, maybe they knew that the tie was going to change here. And, all was, and then I just want to thank Michigan State for putting me back in my place. Tell me that I was right for my opinion last year. Just sit back, wait for Harbaugh to finally leave and restart the program again because that was indicative of his entire tenure. That game where they had it within their grasps and they let it slip away, and it's it's just been it's been tough, Greg. It's been it's been really hard. I, I appreciate you letting me vent right now, though. No, uh, it feels it feels so really I good to get that. I actually have a question for you. Shoot, what happens? Because I, I don't know this. Obviously, Ohio State's one loss was non-conference at home against Oregon. What happens if we're right and Michigan State loses this game? Or, excuse me, <laughs> uh, let's say we're wrong and Michigan State wins this game. Uh, and then Michigan State and Ohio State have their big showdown and Michigan State loses against Ohio State. And then Harbaugh finally gets a win against Ohio State. Like, in a three-way tie in which all three teams have one loss, who goes to the Big Ten Championship? That is a that is a very, very tough question. I think in that scenario. That, under that scenario, you'd have a Michigan State win over Michigan and yeah. a Michigan win over Ohio State, but an Ohio State win over Michigan State. 
Right, and I think that it kind of would be – I think they would end up going to Michigan only because of – that was the last game that was played. It was kind of fresh. It was recency, so – it's not going to happen. But I don't know, like, is it tiebreaker <laughs> overall record? I don't know how the Big Ten decides it. Yeah, I don't know how it's decided either, but I just – it's not how to get to that. We're not going to worry about that. I, I'm just saying that's the chaos scenario that I will root for if we lose this. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. It gets the win in West Lafayette. There he is, Bill Christie, at Larry's Locks 2 on Gambling Twitter, Lucha Larry. I'm Greg Frank, at Undercover Greg. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Shoot the podcast to follow at full underscore slate underscore pod. Bill, always fun, my guy. I'm sure we'll be back hitting the college hardwood pretty soon. And, of course, November and December, big months for the college gridiron as well. Absolutely. Can't wait for it. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Again, there he is, Bill Christie. I'm Greg Frank. Like I said, this has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Everyone, enjoy your weekends. Enjoy the college football. Enjoy the National Football League. And, of course, please play responsibly.